to hear the pages turn. I, I had Patrick Bussey fix my Bible up for me nicely. It was falling apart. It's a good thing. If your Bible's falling apart, you won't. <laughs> anyway, that's a freebie. But, but anyway, there was this messenger of Satan that was sent against Paul to try to hinder him and keep him from the call of God on his life and from doing all that God's called him to do. But if you look over in Acts 28, 30, later in his life, here's what happened. It says that after this, Paul lived there for two entire years at his own expense. This is in the Amplified. In his own rented lodging, and he welcomed all who came to him. And this is, this is what I'm believing. This is the place I'm believing for our pastors to get to in verse 31. Preaching to them the kingdom of God and teaching them about the Lord Jesus Christ with boldness, quite openly, without being molested or hindered. So when we were back in prayer, I saw we, we, this needed to be a congregational thing, that we need to pray a minute for our pastors. We're going to take authority over that spirit that's hindering their ministry. Mark 16 says we can cast out demons. We can take care of this. We have the authority to do this. They lay down their lives for us, surely. Surely we can lay down our lives for them. That is our assignment. That's our assignment to take care of our past. And our pastors in particular is what I'm talking about, but the whole Jacobs family because they are a family of ministry. So believe this verse with me, will you? That they will preach the gospel with boldness and quite openly without being molested or hindered. So just join me for a minute in prayer. In the name of Jesus, I speak to that messenger of Satan. You have been found out. And in the name of Jesus, in the authority of the Lamb of God and by his blood, I cast you out. You will have no influence in this church. You will have no influence in the lives of our pastors and of Jacob's family at all. And they will be free to declare the gospel of Jesus openly and boldly without hindrance. No more physical hindrance. No more accidents. We plead the blood of Jesus over them and we declare a wall of fire of your glory surrounds them that cannot be entered in by any demonic forces. Hallelujah. Glory be to God. Thank you, Father. Hallelujah. We thank you for these precious pastors that you've put over us. We thank you that they love you and they love us. And Father, we declare in the name of Jesus that they will fulfill everything that you put in them. The mantle to pastor this church is on them, and we will follow them. And Father, we just pray that they would walk in the fullness of all, all the giftings and callings that you put into them. Hallelujah. Thank you, Father. In Jesus' name, amen means so be it. Amen. Hallelujah. And that's not my message. <laughs> well, glory be to God. Well, the last couple of weeks have been pretty refreshing around here, hasn't it? And that's a sign of revival. Y'all can call me revival man if you want. That's, I've been called a lot of other things a lot worse. <laughs> so, uh, I was out mowing. Hey. There <laughs> I was out mowing my grass by my own business about 9.30 yesterday morning and got a call. The pastor wanted me to take the service this morning. Y'all can be all sanctimonious if you want, but my first, my first reaction was, oh, my gosh. <laughs> you know, I was just minding my own business mowing my grass. 
So, <laughs> so uh, two verses came to mind. One says, uh, Paul says, uh, I know that in me, as in my flesh, there dwells no good thing. <laughs> and I said, well, I rebuke you, Satan. <laughs> and the second verse was, I could do all things through Christ who strengthens me. <laughs> so that's the verse I'm going to believe this morning. <laughs> Hallelujah. Well, Pastor George has been talking about revival. There's been some refreshing times around here. My question is, has it made any difference to you? Come on. Monday through Saturday, is it making a difference? Has anything changed? Are you praying more? I, I hope you hear my heart. The, the word says to speak the truth in love. If you speak the truth, just the truth, it'll be taken as criticism. But if you speak the truth in love, then, then it's all good. You know, so I'm not the corrector. And I'd be honest about it, as I was going through and getting some notes together yesterday, man, I was shaking on the inside. I said, I, Father, I can't preach this to those people because I, I haven't gotten there myself. <laughs> you know? But then another verse came. Paul said he was the chief of all sinners. <laughs> so, hey, that works for me, too. <laughs> so, anyway, I just wanted to, if, he, if you've ever heard me preach, you know I'm big on uh, definitions and quotes because uh, these saints... Uh, past, they, they just got quotes out there, and they said a whole lot better than I do, so I just, I just peel off what they got, and I'll claim it for my own someday. But anyway, one of the definitions of revival is, revival is the people of God living in the power of an ungrieved, unquenched spirit. Can you imagine if we would let the Holy Ghost go, Jojo? What if we yielded to the, the promptings of the Spirit every time he told us to? To pray? Or to speak to somebody. I saw, uh, I didn't have time to get on Facebook a little bit yesterday. But anyway, I saw this one video and this guy talked about the, a shoulder tap. And he was just sitting in a restaurant. And this woman come in and she was just dressed beautifully. And he felt this unction to go tell her she was beautiful. And as they were leaving the restaurant, he yielded to that. And he went over and got down on, she was sitting. So he kind of knelt down a little bit and says, ma'am, I just want to tell you, if nobody's told you today, you're beautiful. And her eyes teared up, and she said, my husband passed away, and that's exactly what he would say to me. Wow. See, we need to be obedient to the promptings of the Holy Ghost. That's how revival's going to happen. Yeah. It, you know, revival's for the church, that's true, but if we don't affect out there, then what's the purpose? What's the whole purpose? Uh, if you put up Ephesians 4.30 up on the PowerPoint, hey, that's pretty cool. Good job, Katie. <laughs> I got connections. <laughs> anyway, this is in the Message Bible, Ephesians 4.30. It says, don't grieve God. You know you can't grieve somebody that don't love you. You can make people mad. You can get them ticked off at you, but you can't grieve somebody unless they love you. And so we, God is all about relationship. <laughs> you know, he died so we could have a relationship with him. You know, we could talk about prayer and spending time in prayer and praying for people, but what is it really? It's about a relationship. It's about spending time with him and seeking his face and, yes. and getting to know him better. Yes. And so he says, don't grieve God. Don't break his heart. His Holy Spirit moving and breathing in you, that's the most intimate part of your life. Yes, come on. You know, you can make church a part of your life, but is it the intimate part of your life? It's not just church, I should say, but your relationship with the Father. You know, is that the most intimate part of your life? 
And it says, uh, making you fit for himself. Don't take him for granted. You know, how, how long, how many days do you go and you don't pray, you don't worship? And like I said, I'm not the big corrector, but we got to be honest about some yeah, of these things too. Yeah. You know, we got to make ourselves vulnerable to God to yes. let him show us yeah. what needs to change. I almost feel like brother, Pastor Keith right now, I'm tired of it. Yeah. <laughs> I'm tired of coming and going and, and I'm just tired of, of just the format's okay, but I want the Holy Ghost to have his way in what we're doing. Yes, sir. What do we have to do to change? What do I have to do to change? You know, the Lord woke me up one morning about 3 o'clock in the morning. This has been back in 2004, and I'll never forget it. In about 15, 20 minutes, he gave me about 20 questions just to examine myself. You know, just to examine myself. A deceived person doesn't know they're deceived. Come on, could it be that we might be deceived about our true spiritual condition? Come on, come on. Is that, I mean, if that's a possibility, then you've got to open yourself up. And, you know, mm-hmm. in 1 Corinthians 11, Paul said, let a man examine himself. He's talking about the Lord's Supper. But in Psalms, David cried out, Lord, examine me. It's a big difference between you examining yourself and you letting God examine you. <laughs> you ever walked out of the house with a, a pair of dark pants on and they look fine, then you get out in the sunlight and you got lint all over them? <laughs> That's the difference. That's the difference between us examining ourselves and, and letting God examine us. You know, we just got to be open. We got to be honest. And, you know, Anyway, here's another example of uh, our another definition of revival. It says revival is a restoration of force. See, you yield to the Holy Ghost. You're in revival. You flow with the Holy Ghost. You hear his voice. You hear him accurately. <laughs> you know, I kinda, I'm just kind of used to being in that flow where, you, well, God told me to do this. God told me to do that. And sometimes people look at me like a cow at a new gate. You know, what are you talking about? You, you're hearing God. Well, it comes from practice. And, and the thing is, prayer and practice. And the thing is, if you don't, if you think you hear God and you act on it and you were wrong, that's okay. But if you think you hear God and you don't act on it and you're wrong, that's a problem. <laughs> that's a problem. So, and it comes with practice. You can hear the voice of the Holy Ghost more accurately the more you obey him. I saw a guy on TV, he said, the Lord told me to start praying for people who are sick. So he prayed for people and prayed for people and prayed for people. He prayed for 400 people and never saw one result. Number 401 got healed. Wow. You know, so you got to be willing to, yes. you got to be willing to look dumb, look stupid, whatever. That's not a good word. I'm, I'm up here with the towel. <laughs> you know, but you got to be willing to look foolish sometimes yeah, right. yeah. to do what Jesus said to do yes. and, you know, let the cards fall where they may. But it's in those times of obedience and those times of obeying the promptings of the Holy Ghost, that's where you learn the voice of the Spirit. Yeah. So revival is a restoration of force. And uh, last week, Pastor Jordan was talking about the kink in the hose. You know, the power's turned on, the water's flowing, but you got a kink in the hose. So this morning we might... I'm not having a kinky sermon, but <laughs> we might be talking about kinks a little bit, okay? <laughs> so uh, here's another definition by a guy named Jonathan Kahn. He's a, he's a Jewish Christian guy. 
And he said revival is turning back to God, turning away from idols. Boy, that's a word we don't hear much anymore. What's an idol? An idol is anything you put before God. Money, your job, your family, even your kids could be idols. We don't hear about idolatry much anymore, but we need to put it away. If anything's more important to God to you, then, then you need to put it away. He said it's turning away from sin, repentance, renewing, rededicating, reconsecrating. You know, after I got saved, I was in the Baptist church for a few years, and they were big on rededications. You know, if you want to rededicate, man, you know what this is? This is surrender. When you raise your hands, that's surrender. So maybe there needs to be some rededicating going on. Maybe other things have gotten in the way. Pastor Jordan talked about three of them last week. I can't. I know one of them was uh, distractions. Anybody else uh, spiritual enough to remember the other two? Pride. One of them was pride. And what's Traditions. Traditions. <laughs> I paid him. <laughs> All right, last week I was texting back and forth with Anthony, and I said, what are you expecting today for church? He had the right answer. He said, I'm expecting heaven. And that's what we got. What, what's your expectation? Are you just expecting to come in and walk out and be another service? What's your expectation? Are you expecting the Holy Ghost to move, to change us, to do things in our midst that we've never seen before? Because the greater things are ahead of us. I'm thankful for everything we've, we've seen. I've seen people healed. I've seen people uh, running, <laughs> you know, I've seen people laughing. We've seen it all, 96, 97, 98. But this is 2018, and we're going into some new stuff. Yeah. Amen? Yeah. Pastor Jordan talked about, are you going to be flexible? Come on. Uh-huh. Are you going to be moldable enough to flow with what's coming? Listen, you got to prepare your heart now for what's ahead. You can't, you can't wait till it happens and then go home and say, oh, I don't know about all that stuff. <laughs> you know, you got to be ready. You know, uh, who was it? Um, he said, I'm going to go wherever revival's. Lester Summerall. Brother Lester Summerall. He said, I'm going to go wherever revival's flowing. And he said, he'd go to the people, where's, revi- where's revival happening? I'm believing for people in this community to say, Hey, man, revival's happening over there. This thing is going to get out of these four walls. I, you know, it's going to get out. And we had a prophecy back in 1996, I think it was, in Muncie, Indiana. And Dr. Dufresne said, when this new section gets built, we didn't build that new section. I'm not sure when we did. We this one and then the sidewalk. And the sidewalk got put in. Right. And he talked about the new sidewalk. Well, at that time, it wasn't even on the drawing board that I know of. And, hey, it's here. Revival's here. We've got a new section. We've got the sidewalk. And he said people are going to be laying out on the sidewalk on the power of the Holy Ghost, and we're going to affect the whole region for God. We're not just going to affect New Albany, Floyd County. We're going to affect the region for Jesus Christ. What does that, what does that mean to affect the whole region? You know, I read a story about Catherine Kuhlman, and she was driving through a cemetery out there in California. That's all the celebrities are something lawn or forest lawn, I think. And she wanted to go see the grave of Amy Simple McPherson. And so she was, her, her and another lady were uh, driving through the cemetery, and they pulled up to the cemetery, to that uh, grave site. And there was already a woman and a young man there. So they got out of the car and walked up to the cemetery, and the woman had tears running down her face. And she told her son, I wish you could have met her, because she's the one that led me to Jesus. Oh, that's cool. wow. And Catherine Kuhlman just turned around, tears running down her face, and said, 
if one person will come to my grave yes. and say that, then my life's been worth it. I mean, we're dealing with eternal things here, folks. Yes. You know, we're not, we're not dealing with a different job or what the kids oh. are doing or going to soccer practice. We're dealing with eternal matters. Yes. And we've got to have what it takes. Yes, sir. We've, yes, got, sir. we've got answers. We've got the whole... I'm just telling you, there is more. Yes. There is more. Yes. I got saved in 1973, so that's 45 years. I'm still hungry for more. Come on. You know, you don't have to work up hunger. If you don't eat, you're going to get hungry. I had, a, I had a nice steak last week, but that's not holding me over. I'm going to get something to eat when we leave here. So it's not, not hunger isn't something you need to work up. But what are you going after to satisfy the hunger? That's what makes the difference. So I'm going to get in trouble with Katie because I'm way, I don't even know where I'm at on my slides. <laughs> uh, Katie, go ahead and put up that Second Chronicles 7, 14. Got that? There you go. This is, this is a verse that, uh, a well-known verse for a lot of us. And uh, it just says, if my people are called by my name, shall humble themselves, pray, seek, crave, and require of necessity my face, and turn from their wicked ways, then will I hear from heaven, forgive their sin, and heal their land. Our land needs some healing right now. It's not going to come through the politics. Is going to come through the church. Yes. And listen, we, can't, we cannot afford to let all this stuff that's going on out there, all the political dialogue, all the racial stuff, we cannot let that infect the church. Come on. We are all one yes. in the body of Christ. Yes. We cannot elect, allow what's happening out there to... We need to affect them instead of letting them Come affect on. us. Yes. And so... Uh, I guess if I was going to put a title on this message, it would be two elements of revival. And the first one I see here is hunger. It says, if my people who are called by my name shall humble themselves, pray, seek, crave. Those are words of hunger. And require of necessity my face. That's relationship. If you're hungry, if you're craving a relationship with the Father, what we need to do for the world or what the world needs to happen through us is going to come out of our relationship. Yes. Bible study is great. Knowing your doctrine is great. But real, people can tell when you're religious or when you have a relationship. People can tell that in a heartbeat. You know, are you just trying to recruit them to come to this church? Or are you interested in their soul? Are you interested in, in the problems that they're facing? So it's a matter of a relationship, not a religious thing. And so I've I got a couple um, quotes here about hunger. Uh, this is a guy named Duncan Campbell. He, I don't know if you've ever heard of the Hebrides Islands or the Hebrides Revival. Uh, it was some islands off the coast of Scotland. And for you that need some hope, Donald Trump's grandmother was in this revival. <laughs> so that ought to give you some hope. <laughs> so anyway, Duncan Campbell said, and I think Pastor Jordan uh, said this the first uh, Sunday he preached on revival, there will be no true hunger for revival until we see how desperately we need it. We will never move into revival as long as we're willing to live without it. You willing to live without it? Are you okay where you're at? I'm not. I know I'm not. I'm not saying I have all the answers on how to get to where I want to be, but I know I'm not happy. I'm not satisfied 
with where I'm at. And then he said, your sense of need is the very ground on which God can work. And I like this. Real hunger creates a capacity for God. So if you're hungry for God, you create a bigger capacity within yourself. You'll get greater revelation of the things that God wants to get across to you. He said the reason we're simply, we are not filled is simply because we are not hungering for God. So where's your hunger today? Are you satisfied with last week's spiritual meal? Are you wanting something more? What's the price you're willing to pay for it? There is a price to pay. You know, we're not like everybody else. We're just not. So there is a price to pay, and it's up to you what you're willing to pay for it. You know, it was up to me how much I paid for that steak. Yeah. It was worth every bit of it. <laughs> Trust me, if you pay a price to get with God and get to know God better and more intimately, it'll be worth the price. And here's a couple of quotes by Smith Wigglesworth. He said, the secret of spiritual success is a hunger that persists. It kind of it goes back to what I said before. Are you satisfied with last week's meal? No, it's a hunger that persists. You don't have to work up a hunger. Hunger will come find you. But you've got a hunger for the right things. In Matthew 5, 6, it says, Blessed are they that hunger and thirst after righteousness. So it's, it's not whether or not you're hungry, it's what you're hungry for. Are you hungry for a better job, more money, better car? What are you hungry for? I, you know, I'm asking myself these same questions. Like I said, by the time I got done reading some of this stuff, I was under such conviction. I was literally, I was shaking inside. I'm like, I ain't got no business talking to these people about this. <laughs> but, but here I am. <laughs> he says, uh, God was and is looking for hungry, thirsty people. Spiritual hunger is when nothing satisfies us as much as being near to God. What satisfies you? What are you satisfied with? You know, I was pretty satisfied with that steak, I have to admit, but, <laughs> but there's more, there's so much more than things of this world, you know, and, and to set our life apart, to be with him, there is nothing like being in the presence of God. There is so, there's so much. I never knew love, really. My dad never told me he loved me till right before he died. And so, you know, that kind of gives you a, a warped sense of a father. But let me tell you, in 45 years, I've come to know a father that loves me unconditionally. It's not about what I do. It's about who I am. I'm, a, I'm his child who loves me. He loves me when I was a sinner. I don't know, is it fair to say he loves me more now? I don't know. Because <laughs> he is love. Oh, well, not getting too theological. But, <laughs> but let me tell you, he loves me. With all my faults, all my quirks, all my failures, the blood of his son was shed so I can leave all that behind me and just come boldly before a throne of grace and make our request known to him. <clears throat> it feels good to be loved. <laughs> you know, we got a whole society now. Children are being... You know, I appreciate these families that foster care children, yeah. take them in and love them because there's so many children in our society that don't have any idea what a true family is like, how a mother and father should love you, how they should live, how they should act. And those are the kind of people I really want to reach, you know. 
Bring them into our family. Love on them. Care for them. Minister to them. You know, so I, it's just really good to be loved. <laughs> I, I just really appreciate it. Here's, here's one that really kind of shocked me from Smith Wigglesworth because he was so led by the Spirit and how he, you know, he was really into being filled with the Spirit. But he said, I'd rather have a man on my platform who's not Spirit-filled but hungry than a person who is Spirit-filled and satisfied. Uh oh. <laughs> Satisfaction is the enemy of hunger. So it kind of goes back to what I said to begin with. Are you satisfied with where you're at? If you are, you can stay there. God loves you. You know, church loves you. But man, we got, we got a deeper place to go. We got deeper realms of the Spirit to explore. We got deeper realms of prayer to explore. We've got deeper realms of ministry to explore. People are going to be coming in here who have some real deep needs, and we need to know how to minister to them. And we can't do it in the flesh. But if we're hungry for more, God will show us how to minister to those people. So I ask you this question. Are we really, do we really feel like we need revival, or are we just okay with where we are? You know, these past two weeks have been so refreshing. They, they really have these times. Pastor George has been preaching on revival. And I, you could sense, you know, a different move of the Spirit, you know. You could sense it. And, and you know, people are just, some people get quiet before the Lord. There's so many different uh, things that could happen in revival. People could cry on one side of the church, be laughing on the other side of the church. People can be quiet. People can be shouting. You know, the Word says to do everything decently in order. And all that could be decently right. in order, That's even at right. the same time. Yeah. <laughs> so, so we really just need to let God examine us. Are we happy with where we're at? Are we satisfied? Have we become kind of spiritually fat and sassy, I guess you could say? <laughs> you know? <laughs> Here's some quotes by Brother Hagin. It says, miracles do not come as a result of prayer. They come as a result of hunger. So we could pray and pray and pray and ask God to do things and do things, but man, do we have a hunger for that situation to turn? Do we have a hunger to get in the presence of God long enough for him to give us revelation on what we do to minister to that situation? The height, here's another quote, the height of revival is dependent on the depth of your hunger. So we've gotten into revival. We've had some refreshing times, but it goes deeper. So how much hunger... How much more hungry are you? You know. Uh, Katie put up John chapter 2. Um, Brother Hagin says that hunger pulls on heaven. I'm reminded of that, uh, the pinata, where you keep striking it and striking it and striking it, and eventually you get all the goodies inside. And that's what hunger is. Hunger, hunger is tapping heaven, tapping heaven, wanting all the goodies inside. Yeah. There's a lot of goodies inside. <laughs> Goodies we don't even know about. But uh, I think it was last week or week before, uh, Pastor Jordan was talking about this passage in John 2. And the Lord showed me something I want to share with you. It says, on the third day there was a wedding at Cana of Galilee, and the mother of Jesus was there. Jesus also was invited with his disciples to the wedding. And when the wine was all gone, the mother of Jesus said to him, they have no more wine. Jesus said to her, dear woman, what is that to do to you and me? What do we have in common? Leave it to me. And here's what I want you to see. My time, our to act, has not yet come. 
But then Mary completely ignores him and says to the servants, do whatever he says to do. Now, I want the thing that I got out of this, I was over listening to Pastor Jordan talk about this. I want you to notice she made a demand on Jesus. Jesus said his time had not yet come, but she made a demand on Jesus, a faith demand on Jesus, and suddenly it became his time. Do you see what I'm saying about that? The time of revival is not up to God, it's up to us. It could become our time. Today is our time. Today is our time for revival. Right now is the time for revival. It has nothing to do with pleading. We're in revival right now. There's more. I'm hungry for more. There will always be more. And I'll always be hungry for more. Thank God we're enjoying these times of refreshing that we've been having. But there's more. There's a deeper thing that's going on right now. And that, how deep you get depends on how hungry you are. Now, you could sit here, and I, I saw it in 96, 97, 98. Some people didn't enter in at all. They're in the same service, hearing the same message, hearing the same praise and worship. And some people did not relate at all, and other people just got so much out of that. I'll never forget Kelly Tillett's. I don't know why it just sticks out to me. She gave her testimony one night during that revival, and it was just wonderful. And it, you know, I'm 20 years later, and I, I still remember the work that God had done in Kelly's life. So, you know, it, it's all up to you what you want to do with it. It really is. But I just, I, I, I got caught up in that verse that Jesus said it wasn't my time. Mary made a demand on his miracle power, and it became his time. Yes. So, so let's make a demand. Let's make a demand in faith and prayer. Father, take us deeper. Take us, take us to places that we've never even dreamed of. Man, we have a vast inheritance out there that, that I, I, you know, 40 years, I feel like I barely even tapped into it, to be honest about it. Yes. It's okay to be honest, isn't it? Yes. <laughs> uh, Brother Hagen said, hunger is a sign of humility. It's admitting your dependency on God. Mm-hmm. And lately when I've been praying, I, um, you know, humility is, is admitting your dependence on God. But there, uh, I read a quote that said, where there's humility and hunger, that's where breakthrough is. So we could come to him humbly and say, Father, I know I'm not where I want to be or where I should be. But we can come to him hungry and say, Father, I want to go with you ever, anywhere you want me to go. And with the humility and the hunger, there comes a breakthrough. Amen. So maybe you feel like you've been in a little, uh, what do you call that, just you're in a rut. You're in a rut. You come, you go, you come and go. You go back, kids are in school, and you're in a rut. But if you're humble and come to God and admit to him that you're not where you're at, and you come to him with a hunger for being more than what you are now, there will be a breakthrough in your life. And I believe that. I really truly believe that. And then here's another um, quote by Brother Hagin. He said, desperation will determine your destination. So how desperate are you for God? Are you desperate enough to get up? Let me just throw this out. Are you, are you desperate enough to get up an extra half hour early on Sunday morning and come to our pre-service prayer meeting? I know people got things to do. I know, you know, not at, well, <laughs> praise and worship practice. You know, there, there's, there's things people have to do. But are you desperate enough? Do you want God enough to maybe get up a half an hour early and come pray with Dale? Man, there are so many impartations. We get back there and, and we pray for the pastors and and, and Dale is just really great at honing in on what the Spirit has yes. for that, that, yes. that time. Yes. So 
Are you that desperate? Are you desperate enough to maybe get up 15 minutes earlier before you go to work? You know, I don't know. I'm just asking questions. What is it for you? How desperate are you for something more? Uh, Psalm 42, verses 1 and 2, Katie, if you'll put that up. The psalmist said, I long to drink of you, God. This is in the, what's it, the passion? Drinking deeply from the streams of pleasure flowing from your presence. See, people are looking for pleasures in all kinds of places. Looking at it, looking for pleasures on the internet. Young ladies, you better watch who you're talking to on the internet. That's been in my spirit for, you know, I didn't know I. You just better be careful. You're getting, you're developing soul. I don't know who this is. You're developing soul ties with people on the internet that you have no business doing that with. And your emotions will get involved and you'll be in a relationship before you know it that will drag you out of this church and away from God. I did say it. I don't take it back either. <laughs> I'm just telling you, you be cautious. Uh, might be more one young. You better be cautious who you're talking to on the internet. Man, I think I got a little profit on me there. <laughs> Felt like it. <laughs> so, so anyway, he says, I long to drink of you, God, drinking deeply from the streams of pleasure flowing from your presence. My longings overwhelm me for more of you. My soul thirsts, pants, and longs for the living God. Are you panting and thirsting for God? Really? I know I have some places to go. I want to come and see the face of God. And I'm running out of time. I need to get to the second point. It's um, the repentance. You know, uh, 2 Chronicles 7.14 again, Katie. If my people who are called by my name shall humble themselves, pray, seek, and crave, and require of necessity my face, and turn from their wicked ways. You know, wicked, the word wicked comes from the word uh, like wicker furniture. It's twisted. Something's gotten twisted. So need to get the kinks out. <laughs> Untwisted. <laughs> if you've got some wicked ways. Uh, so that's repentance, is turning from your wicked ways. Charles Finney said, Revival is renewed conviction of sin and a willingness to repent, followed by an intense desire to live in obedience to God. It's giving up one's will to God in deep humility. Frank Bartleman, from the, uh, he was involved in Azusa Street, he said that the depth of revival will be term- determined exactly by the depth of the spirit of repentance. And this is where I was talking about Examining ourselves as opposed to letting God examine us. So we need to be vulnerable to him. Let him show us things, that changes we might need to make. Uh, Acts 3.19, Pastor Jordan, this has been his basic uh, passage for this whole series. And we love that last part. (laughs) Refreshing, recovering from the effects of heat, reviving with fresh air. That that may come from the presence of the Lord. But we have a tendency to skip over the first part. So repent, change your mind and purpose, turn around and return to God. You know, just like with the word revival, there's revive, that's bring back to life. The word repent, you can look at it this way, repent. The penthouse is the high place, so you can return to the high place. See, it's not about guilt, it's not about, you know, 
There's a big difference between conviction and yes. condemnation. The Holy Spirit will convict you. The devil will condemn you. Yes. But you can repent. You can return to the high place. Is there ever a time in your life when you've been on, more on fire for God than you are right now? Yes, yes. Come on. If there has been, then you need to repent. Mm. Me too. To return to the high place. Good. To return to the high place. So, um, <clears throat> Jeremiah 17, 9 in the Amplified, said, The heart is deceitful above all things, and it's exceedingly perverse and corrupt and severely mortally sick. Who can know it, perceive, or understand it, or be acquainted with your own heart and mind? See, we're blinded to our own faults a lot of times. We're blinded to our own shortcomings. But once again, we need to make ourselves available to let the Holy Spirit deal with us, show us those things that we need to change or correct, he also shows you the good things you're doing, by the way. It's not, it's not all negative. <laughs> One time I prayed, the Lord just said, I'm proud of you. And you don't know what that meant to me. <laughs> but anyway, so uh, Hebrews 4.12 says, The word of God that speaks is alive and full of power. Make it an active, operative, energizing, and effective. It's sharper than any two-edged sword, penetrating to the dividing line of the breath of life, which is the soul, the immortal spirit, and the joints and marrow, and this is the uh, last part, exposing and shifting and analyzing and judging the very thoughts and purposes of the heart. Yes. So we see the surface stuff, but God looks at our motivation. What's yes. our motivation? What's your motivation for coming to church this morning? Yes. Ring the bell, check it off your list, go home, live like you always did. Wow. Oh. Sorry, did it hurt you? <laughs> You know, what's our motivation for whatever we do? What's yes. our motivation for prayer? What's our motivation for worship? Yes. I, just, um, I need to cut this down. <clears throat> Here's some signs you might have left your first love. And like I said, I hope you hear my heart that it's coming out of love yes. for, for all of us. Yes. It's not coming out of, you know, condemnation. But can you go hours or days without having more than a passing thought of God? Are you in constant communication with him during the day? Are you, are you having conversations with the Father during the day? Or can you just go about your way and do your thing and, and not even think about him? Yeah, exactly. That might be a sign you've left your first love. Yeah. Number two is you don't have a strong desire to spend time with him. It gets back to hunger. What are you hungering for? Are you willing to set aside a part of your day to spend time with God? Yes. Cut out the distractions and... Attend upon the Lord as Pastor Jordan has taught us. Uh, if you don't have a strong hunger for the Word, if Bible reading's a chore, <laughs> I can remember when I first became a Christian and I went through all these plans and, man, I was in, I don't know, one little Deuteronomy or something. <laughs> I'm getting nothing out of this. <laughs> it was a chore, you know, but I, boy, I checked off my check mark every day. I was, I was studious. I stuck with it. But, man, when you read it from, from an aspect of the love of God talking to you, Man, it'll change you. You know, so if you've gotten to where Bible reading's a chore, you might need revival. I kind of sound like that uh, comedian. <laughs> you might be a redneck if. <laughs> <laughs> are you spending time in prayer? Is it a burden or is it a delight to you? You know, are you praying? Are you got, man, I used to have a prayer list four pages long, man. I just go through, check them off, you know. And the only thing was, I wasn't getting anything accomplished. Now I can pray in the Spirit, whether it's praying in tongues or praying led by the Spirit, and I can get things accomplished. 
You know, so is your prayer time, is that a burden to you? Is it just something you got to do because that's what Christians do? Or is it, does it become a delight that you're spending time with your Father? Yes. Uh, is your worship formal and dry? Do you worship anywhere other than here on Sunday morning? Do you ever listen to praise and worship music in the car or, or just even in quiet? Me, music, music really helps me. Other people, quietness helps them. So, you know, it's an individual thing. We're not clones. We're not robots. So whatever gets you in the spirit, that's what you need to go for. You know, Pastor Jordan mentioned maybe listen to a new, uh, a new music group or something, something fresh, something different. Don't be, don't be in a rut with anything, your prayer life, your worship life, whatever. Don't, just, just don't get in a rut. That old saying that a rut's nothing but a gray with the ends kicked out. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Don't get in a rut. <laughs> you know, make things fresh, make things new. And here's one. Do you enjoy secular songs, movies, and books more than songs or reading materials that lead you to the Father? How much are you separated from the world? You know, it's, it's so easy just to get that filth and dirt on you. You know, we're out in it all the time. It's on TV. It's on, everywhere. And it's just so easy to... to to let that get on you. But, you know, we're called to be separated. We're called to be the separated ones. We're supposed to be the light to them. So, and it's not, you know, this is not all negative. I hope you're not taking it as negative. I'm trying to encourage you to seek God more, hunger for him more. And so, um, uh, Psalm 85, 6, Katie, I don't think you've got this slide in the Passion. It says, revive us again, O God. I know you will. Then all your people taste of your joy and gladness. So revival brings joy and gladness. But there is a, something we need to get through sometime to, to identify where are we at? Where are we? And then there was one other thing I want to read to you. And then we'll have the, if the worship team wants to come back up and do that last song, come to the altar. I just want to spend a minute and, and let the Holy Spirit deal with us. If you want to come up here, that's fine. If you want to sit in your seat, fine. If you want to, whatever you want to do. But just open yourself up for a few minutes yes. and let the Holy Spirit show you if anything needs to be changed in your life so that you can go deeper in this revival. I, don't, I saw this. I, I wasn't going to read it, but then it seemed to have some, uh, some oil on it, so I want to read it. It says, if you feel like you're dying of spiritual thirst and need to be refreshed, then you're a candidate for revival. <laughs> According to Matthew 5, 6, a prerequisite for being filled is being spiritually hungry and thirsty. The place of spiritual thirst and hunger isn't a comfortable one. Normally, it's a place of misery where you're tired of doing spiritual business the way you've been doing it, and you're exhausted with the status quo that surrounds you. You tired of the status quo? I am. Nothing satisfies. It seems nothing's fulfilling. It's a place of divine misery where you are being driven into a place of dissatisfaction, and you feel like you can't go any further unless you have a new touch from God. But take heart, that place of divine misery is what brings you to a position so God can come fill you anew with the power of His Spirit. And when that new flow of the Spirit comes, it literally is as rivers of living waters have come to refresh and restore your spirit, your soul, and your body. So as the team sings this song, I just want you to give, it, give yourself a little time of reflection before the Lord. You know, if He speaks to you about something, then change it. But his whole purpose in talking about repentance is to bring refreshing and restore your spirit, your soul, and your body. And I'll be back up when the team gets done.
Christ is risen. 
God. Thank you, Father. Oh, what a Savior. The Father's arms are open wide. Maybe there's somebody here this morning and you've known about church, you've known about religion, but you don't know Jesus. You know, somebody could ask me, do I know President Trump? Yes, I know of President Trump, but I don't know President Trump. So you might know of Jesus. But maybe you don't know Jesus. That can happen in a second of time. So for somebody here this morning, I, I don't know, I just felt this in my heart. For somebody here that hasn't had that 
It's a relationship with him. I'd be glad to pray with you this morning to receive Jesus. He's a wonderful Savior. He's a wonderful Father. Your past can be all behind and your future bright. If you need that, if you'd be brave enough to walk up here, I'd be very happy to pray for you, pray with you to receive Jesus. I did it 45 years ago. It never gets old. It'll change your life. Hallelujah. Okay, if nobody feels that uh, need to come forward, receive Jesus, Pastor Diana says she had something to add. So, Thank you, Father. You know, those of you that are up here, just stay up here with me. You know, we have an assignment from the Father because He's got the generations. He has it planned out for them to be touched and to enter in to revival, the generations. And He said that His house would be the house of prayer now i'm going to condense this but if you're real serious today i just look at especially you, you all that are up here you walk forward with a visual not that the rest of you aren't serious but if you're serious today i'm going to condense this real quick and you listen to what i'm saying he said my house would be the house of prayer he didn't say my house would be the house of preaching my house would be the house of singing my house would be the house of fellowship. My house, he said, my house will be the house of prayer. So when you go come in, you ought to be praying. When you go out, you ought to be praying. And while you're there, you ought to be praying. And, and that's not a on, you know, non-ending. We'll do other things. But the dominant thing should be what? Prayer in the house of God. And he, in the covenant, he made with us. We have certain assignments. A part of our side of the covenant is to pray out the things he's asked us to pray out. And one of those things are the, the revivals and the personal prophecies. He's wanting you to pray the scriptures. He's wanting you to pray in tongues because there's secret things you don't even know. He wants you to pray out in the spirit. But he wants you to pray out prophecies. And when Brother Jim brought that prophecy up about this church... When the new Dr. Dufresne prophesied there will be a revival to hit, like here, that it hit 95, 96, 97. It'll be the new section, and there'll be a sidewalk around it. We put the building up, and we didn't have a sidewalk. And somebody that was serious about that prophecy invested to put the sidewalk in. That's how serious they were about revival. You know, not letting any fleshly or man hinder what God wants to do. We're ready. I think putting the sidewalk in is saying to God what he was preaching. We're ready. We're ready, God. We're making provision. But I know I'm a grandma, and I was in the revival here in this church, and it marked me for life. I'll never forget what I felt, what I experienced. But God wants my children, and my, my children had a part in that revival, but my grandchildren deserve to experience revival and it's our responsibility as a house of prayer to pray that prophecy now over the years we brought it up and people went for a while and I think they put it to the side but I think you need to get real serious about declaring that prophecy with earnest hunger 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 
to see that come to pass, that revival. And if not, you know, I've, you can say I've experienced revival. So I, I can cherish those memories and go on to heaven with those memories and maybe never experience another revival. But what about my children and my children's children? It's our assignment as a part of the covenant. He has a plan, and that's the part he's asked you to do. He's asked you to pray, to pray, to pray. And he's given specific things to pray. It's not complicated. It's not hard. So I just challenge you today. If you don't have that prophecy, we'll get it out and have it. But at least pray, God, you know that prophecy? I don't even know it all. But you said revival would hit here again when that sidewalk was there. And it's here. We're ready for it, Father. We're ready for it, Father. We're ready for it. For my children, my grandchildren, my great-grandchildren, I want them to experience what I've experienced with you. I want to experience it, Father. I want your presence in a new, fresh way. Just like uh, uh, Brother Amsey sang just then. By his spirit, man, he sang out what God was saying. It's here. It's here. Tap in. Tap into it. You know, some of you... If you just got with him for a brief period of time, you would be so refreshed and know, I could do this. I could lay aside the things of the world, and I can move with you, Father. I have total confidence. Just being in his presence for a moment. One word from God, did Brother Copeland say, could change your life forever. Just one moment in his presence can refresh you, revive you to know, I could do this. I can fulfill the will of God in my life. Thank you, Father. We just commit to you today, Father. We commit to you as a church because we know revival. We've experienced it here. We know your presence, Father. We will take up this assignment that you gave us, Father, and we won't treat it disrespectfully anymore, but we will be diligent to pray out your will in the earth, especially your will in the earth for this church and revival, Father. We will seek after this, Father, in Jesus' name and believe it will come to pass in this place for this hour and this time and for the people that need it. When we had revival here before, they were talking about it down in the school. My daughter even got persecuted down there because they would hear about what was going on up here. And they think, oh, that's wild. But some came, a lot came. And a lot of those young people at school down there were at our altars. They may not still be in our church. They, they didn't necessarily stay in the church, but they got touched. The community was affected. The community was affected, but he wants to do a bigger work, a bigger work. But it's about him. It's about him doing it, not in your strength, not in your strength. It doesn't even matter if you feel totally non-revivalish right now. It's about just obedience and faith. I'm going to walk in this, and the feelings will come. Hallelujah. We commit to you today to at least give some time, Father, to pray that scripture for our next generation's coming, and that you, we will help through our prayers, fulfill your will in the earth. You didn't just speak prophecies idly. You spoke them because you believe we would pray them out and they come to pass. And Father, we believe for you to move now. And this to become a house of prayer. When revival hits, people are praying. 
In normal circumstances, the biggest crowds on Sunday morning, the half, about half that many come midweek, and then very few come to prayer meeting. But when revival hits, their prayer group gets bigger and expands and grows because people are hungry. So, Father, we are believing. We're believing for that to happen, Father, in Jesus' name. Bless the people as they go, Father. Let the spirit of revival remain upon us, Father, as we go through this week. Let it come back to us. Remind us, Father, that, yeah, I'm believing you, Father. I'm believing that that prophecy you gave our church. But now that the sidewalks are down, revival's hit. We're going to see a move of God in our church for the next generations. In Jesus' name, amen. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Praise God. You want to sing it one more time? <laughs> Hallelujah. And oh, come to the altar. The Father's arms are open wide. Forgiveness, it was bought with the precious blood of Jesus Christ. Oh, come to the altar. The Father's arms are open wide. Forgiveness, it was bought with the precious blood of Jesus
Hallelujah. You know, these last several weeks, we've had moments like this of lingering in his presence. And that's what his desire is. We've just pleased the Father. He's just wanting us to take a moment and linger in his presence with him. So you've been practicing his presence these last, last couple of weeks. We've been practicing getting more accustomed to staying to staying with him, not rushing out of his presence. And Father, we thank you for this times now that you've been here with us in these services. I pray, Father, that people will take home with them what they've experienced at the altars and just get in their homes and renew that relationship with you. And I thank you, Father, that revival's here and revival started in our hearts. And I dismiss the people now in Jesus' name. Amen. Hallelujah.